0: Hello listeners, welcome to the first part of our Netflix original special podcast. Um, I'm Owen, a bit later you'll hear the voices of Steve Norman, our host, as well as our guests Chris Haig and Phil Shorman. Uh, In part one of these two podcasts we talk about what kind of shows that we've been watching on Netflix lately, the Netflix originals um, that we've watched and enjoyed, as well as a kind of general chat about Netflix as well. We also have part two, which will be a separate podcast to this one, but hopefully on the same web page, failcritics.com. You can download both parts there. Uh, we, in part two, we talk about uh, we have a triple bill. Basically, we'll talk about the kind of shows that we've watched and and have become our favourites, our favourite comedies, favourite dramas, favourite Netflix features, as well as some things that we'll recommend that you try out. Yourselves, so um, I will now shut up and we'll get on with the show.
1: Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm joined, as I always am, by Owen Hughes. Hello. And this week by Phil Sharman. Hello. Of the Wiki Shuffle Podcast.
2: Pleasure to be here.
1: And Chris Hay, who had the pleasure of recording a Flix podcast for me last night. Two nights in a row
3: for you, Chris. <laughs> I know, two nights in a row. Just I, I just can't get enough. I... I
1: know, not, not even my girlfriend <laughs> can put up with me for that long.
0: <laughs> uh, I do like though, can I? Because you keep calling it pick a flicks, which I don't know whether it's intentional or like an in joke I'm not part of. Yeah. Because it, pick a flick, but in email correspondence you've called it pick a flicks uh, with the next, well, the, which I like.
1: Well, <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest, I've not really paid that much attention. And no. I thought it was pick a flicks because I reviewed more than one film on it, it's plural. <laughs> more than one film was picked. It's flicks. If we're gonna be technical about this.
3: If we're gonna be technical it should be pick some flicks, but you know, you just might <laughs> yes. fall off the top. That's true.
1: Yeah. Yes. May I I won't um, get on to Tony about this. I'm sure he's got more pressing things <laughs> to worry about than me trying to rebrand his podcast so it's grammatically correct.
0: Although we did force him to change his um his Twitter handle. Steve me uh Chris and, and Jack. Did we? He Yeah, He it used to be Black Hole Tony, I think. And then what did he changed it to something else because of
2: peer pressure that Phil, I'm going to hold you entirely responsible for. What was, <laughs> what was wrong with Black Hole Tony? We, I, I think we we made some insinuations that um, it may have been referring to his bum hole. <laughs> yeah. Ah. fair
1: enough. <laughs> We're not See, that. now that we've said it, you won't be able to not think of Black Hole Tony <laughs> as his bum hole. <laughs> We're not not that childish. And if if we're being accurate, it'd be brown
2: hole, Tony. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're underestimating the the gravitational mass of his bum hole.
1: (laughs) Hi, Tony. (laughs)
4: Uh,
1: This week on the podcast, we are are deviating slightly from what we're usually doing, going strictly Netflix only um, in a bid to get a free membership from them each.
2: Oh, is that (laughs) an option?
1: It's, I'm hoping so, I mean, I will be relentlessly tweeting and look what we've done for you. Pay my six ninety nine a month for me. it won't work. It never has done before, um, but yeah, God loves a tryer <laughs> <laughs> Yes this week we will be talking um pretty much solely about Netflix and Netflix originals, um including a triple bill of some of our favorites of uh, what we've been watching recently uh from Netflix um we'll start off with a quiz though. Mm-hmm. And uh, Owen won last week, and maybe watch um, the last Antichrist. one, prior film, Antichrist. And what did you think of it? That's weird, isn't it? <laughs> it is just a little bit, yes. Like, it's it's one of them ones like Holy mo- it was weird for the sake of weird. Which I don't I don't mind weird if there's a point to it, but weird for the sake of weird is just weird and really <laughs> unsettles me. I mean, it, it was it was scarier than some freakish some horror films I've seen. I watched um. Uh, what was it? The, the forest, that new horror film that's out with um, your one from Game of Thrones.
3: Natalie Dahmer.
1: That's the one. That was okay. that was rubbish. Didn't scare me in the slightest. It was boring. I just mm. um, it, okay. And 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 Antichrist certainly was a bit more creepier and freakier than that. But it's just like it just seems like the purpose of the film is trying to freak me out and make me weirded out. And I'm, yeah.
0: I... I guess it succeeded then. It's
1: not the Sorry. worst it's not the worst film I've ever seen, I must admit. I've seen far you've made me watch far worse than this.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, um I, high praise indeed. I'm gonna put that on the poster now from now on. Antichrist, better than Kill Keith.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> better than Kill Keith and United Passions. Which it must be the benchmark for worst films ever. <laughs>
0: It's close, isn't it? Yeah, I don't.
1: But I think just... the, the thing the big the thing about
0: um Antichrist is that the, when Lars von Trier was making it, he w- was like deeply depressed, and I think that is reflected quite astonishingly in the actual film itself, because it's less about like a, a an actual narrative that's going on there and more about a, f- a feeling um, of like it talks about castration well, it didn't talk about it. it sort of illustrates castration of a sort um, which was like uh, extremely
1: graphically portrayed of,
0: graphically portrayed and like you said before it's just weird and disturbing and actual shots sort of like penetration and stuff in it so it's very um family yeah.
1: friendly
0: it's it is whatever the exact opposite of family it's friendly not, it's
1: got a date movie
0: <laughs> <laughs> depends how hybrid bro your date is I guess depends, because, depends uh, what she's into <laughs> that too um, hmm. well I'm glad you watched it and I'm glad you didn't hate it but yeah. I didn't particularly like it but, so um, I thought you would uh, <laughs> have to suffer through it as there's, well there's
1: a film that came up on the the Pick a flick that we, we did last night uh, in the chick flicks one that has made me think I know what you're watching if I win the quiz next <laughs> And there could be any, and all I say it wasn't one of the main reviews. It did just come up is in discussion. Ooh, um, okay. And um, you might have to wait three weeks, possibly five weeks or six weeks to to find out what it is you're watching. <laughs> but it's there, lingering in the background.
0: It could be another two weeks if I lose
1: three in a row. And that's true. 'Cause I think <laughs> yeah. I always think if I if I set into some doubt into your mind early as to what I've got in mind for you to watch, then it puts the pressure on you a bit and you makes me try a lot harder. Yeah, but you also falter under the pressure, I think. <laughs> that is also not unheard of, I guess. So um, and unfortunately the um the the quiz I had planned, the the word file has corrupted. I can't open it, so I've just had to go back for those of you you've been listening to a lot for a long time the old-fashioned way of doing the quiz which is get some actors or actresses up read out their filmography you lock the people the contestants guess who it is
0: (laughs) yeah i remember it's been a while since we've done one of these quizzes no
1: it was it was was always fun just got a bit boring when we done them every week i think and we ended up having the same
0: actors again we're like have we done these ones before yeah
1: yeah um Mm -hmm. so it stands it's it's phil and chris against owen um if Bill and Chris win, I get the point. If Owen wins, he gets the point. We're going to start off then um, with 1999 and
2: Pushing
1: Tin. John
2: Cusack. No. was <laughs> very to... <laughs> confident. Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> Am I allowed to guess again? Uh, not, Not yet.
1: When Rulke. the next film's read out, you can have a guess. No, I haven't got a clue. So you might as well carry okay. on. Uh In uh, two thousand, the gift.
2: Kate Holmes. No. Hmm. the
4: gift.
2: I don't know. I want to say Billy Bob Thornton, but I don't know if he was in the gift. It's
1: not Billy Bob Thornton. Hmm. No idea still. Okay. Um. In two thousand and. Three, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Kate Blanchett. You are correct. Ah, oh, God, Kate Blanchet. One 0 down already. <laughs> Straight away.
0: This is going. I am going to have to watch whatever crappy chick flick. <laughs> I'm assuming it's crappy. I'm assuming you've gone for something you think I'll hate rather than <laughs> something you think I'll like.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obviously, that, that's <laughs> yeah. surprising nobody.
1: <laughs> uh, in, next uh, next one then uh, in 2007 they had a cameo in Ghost Rider
0: what the first Ghost Rider
1: yes uh,
0: a
2: cameo in the Ghost yes. Rider film oh, I don't know uh, nobody remembers a single detail from that film
1: yeah. uh, it's probably for the best <laughs> uh, in, in uh, 2011, what to expect when you're expecting?
4: Oh.
1: <sighs> no, carry on. Oh, God. Okay. Oh. In um, 2013, they were in Pain and Gain. Uh... Oh, Rebel Wilson. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm
0: sucking at this There's one. This... How many
1: have you got? There's three. three left. There's five in total. So there's okay. three left. Um, I could claw it back. You could, although if you lose this one, you can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2005, they did a voice in Madagascar.
2: Sasha Baron Cohen. You, you are
1: correct, sir. No. Hey! <laughs> and Owen has lost. Do you want me to do the other two, Owen, or should we just crack on? Let's crack on. <laughs> Let's crack on. Okay, so that's now one nil to me in the quiz. The the pressure got to Owen there,
2: yes, as I knew it would. <laughs> Excellent mind games. Well yes. done. psyched him <laughs> out completely.
1: Uh, onto the onto the news now, um, or, or our news for this week, which is. Um, just kind of of discussing the role of Netflix and its originals, um, its success, its domination of the market, and, and how it's affecting the future of how uh, television is consumed.
0: Yeah, so we, because it basically we, we were trying to centre the whole podcast around Netflix from this point on, basically. So yeah, no news really. So, I mean, when did you guys... First question, I guess, when did you guys subscribe to Netflix? What was the thing
3: that made you join? Um, Chris? Mine was August 2014, but I'd been thinking about it for like a year or so. And it was because that was when I started entering decently paid permanent employment so <laughs> okay. i thought i can afford seven quid a month um but it was orange is the new black because everyone was talking about it and i was like is this really good or, i didn't want to illegally download it or anything um but it was that it was house of cards and it was um something else but no it was mainly orange is the new black and that so was, it was really kind of like a kind of jumping point
0: It was kind of like a luxury because you just got this job and you thought, I can now have this (laughs) thing. Yeah, exactly. So So...
3: before it used to be kind of like, oh, okay, I'll just, you know, if there's, I'll see whatever on Terrestrial or I'll see whatever's on this or that. But then I could kind of think, oh, I've got so much. Because I experimented with love film and it was, (laughs) was it's alright, but it was just, it was very old stuff. There was no new, there was nothing new that used to come in, the most recent thing they had, and I tried this in 2012 Love Film, was uh, Buffy. That was on their new <laughs> releases, and I'm like, oh no, you finished like nine years ago. You're not new. <laughs> not mm. good, but you're not new. Um So yeah, the idea of having new content, and particularly what's recently started, whether having uh, it come in in weekly installments of popular American shows, having them come in has been fantastic. So,
4: yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's what... Made me join it. Actually, was them getting Breaking Bad? That was the. I think that was the the sort of catalyst for a lot of people. I had um the f- trial period back in I think twenty twelve when it came out. Yeah. And uh, we had the free trial, and then it was there was nothing on there really. We spent a month flicking through all the crap films they had. They barely had any decent TV that I hadn't seen before. Um. So when it, the the trial expired, I just left it. I'm not going to use it. I was using amazon or love film back then and, and at, at the time there were, i thought there was quite a lot of stuff that i was interested in that was available to stream through love Film. Yeah. and they used to have free films on there as well remember it used to be stuff you didn't actually need to sign up for to watch um on love film online and i used to use the po- by post thing quite a lot as well so it was just like an extra function of that I th- um, I th- but it was breaking bad that got me into into netflix properly
1: i think i got into it out of pure stubbornness of refusing to go along with Love Film's relentless marketing of putting shite through my letterbox. <laughs> do, do, do you remember, Love Film mm-hmm. used to be really bad for that. Like you'd get so yep. much junk emails yeah. and posts from Love Film. And I, I think I must have thought, that's a good idea, but you're really irritating me. Let's see what Netflix are doing. And then done the free trial yeah. and then bought some st- I think I didn't... Carry on after the free trial initially, but then saw they're putting more and more good, better stuff mm. on there, and went with it that way. Um, but yeah, I think love is love. Film still around?
4: It is.
0: I, I cancelled so. it in September. There's um talking about the the crap junk mail that they used to ram into the envelopes. I was really petty about that, and I just posted it all back to them. <laughs> <laughs> I used to leave it in the envelope and just send it back. <laughs> oh, that's evil. Yeah. Well, nobody was going to use it. How many business cards do they think I needed? I mean, yeah. <laughs> how about you, Phil? When did you join Netflix?
2: I was an early adopter, as I tend to be with these kind of things. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was signed up to Netflix from day one when it launched in the UK. In fact, I was on a waiting list before it even started. Oh, wow. I tell me right. when it came along, because I was really looking forward to the idea. Um, mm-hmm. But I can't remember what specific content there was in the early days that that kept me there because my subscription, I've never cancelled my subscription, it's, it's gone through the entire time and Netflix, as far as I'm concerned, has just gone from strength to strength and even in the early days, I remember thinking, yeah, there's plenty on to justify the, the six quid a, week, a month that it's costing me. It, it,
1: it's strange in a way because I think when Netflix first came out, Sky didn't have its on-demand as kind of big as what it is now but I, I was living with my parents and I had the Sky go app, So I could have watched anything that they had and I still went for Netflix on top of that.
0: I think it's one of the things about Netflix um, and its success is that it's driven other medium, like standard traditional TV, to up their game. So Sky, in particular, had to compete. And the way they did that was by, you know... Put in all this content available to watch well, all, instead of charging people an extra subscription fee. All Sky, to have, a all Sky have left service.
1: now as a major selling point is live sport.
0: And they don't really have that because they've lost most of what
1: people would have bought well, Sky Sports for. They, yeah. Because BT Sport are doing it so much better. Yeah. Mm. But, the, but, you know, that's because the main, I think, before Netflix and Amazon Prime and Love Films became big, the main draws for Sky weren't even stuff like Sky Atlantic, or the equivalent then in shows that there it was, live sport and movies, because they got movies quicker there than what they did on terrestrial telly. Yes, yeah. Uh, and that was the main draw of Sky. And now all these kind of video-on-demand services have come along, as well as, you know, you're not allowed to do it. I'm not telling anyone to do it, but people will go out there and, and stream stuff illegally on the internet. And, and you know, people know mm-hmm. various ways of doing it, so they don't need to go... But, you know, it, so... Sky is becoming less and less of a, of a big deal, especially as it's so ridiculous. You know, you Sky, some, parent, some people forget broadband and phone line with Sky, paying kind of £60, £70 pound a month just for Sky TV. And yep. you can get Netflix for, for £7 pound a month. And-
0: my, yeah, my internet was with BT before. It used to be about four megabytes per second. And I had um, uh, Sky TV with no like I didn't have sports or movies but I had the entertainment package so I had Atlantic so I could watch all the HBO stuff because that's one of and also it's one of their USPs isn't it they've got all the rights to the HBO stuff because you can't stream that on Netflix but anyway yeah so I cancelled Sky and upgraded my internet speed and got BT TV it's about 20 quid a month cheaper I mean there's no real logic to sticking with something that's going to charge you that much which is isn't as good a service as I can get with having faster internet speed to watch the programs available through a service like Netflix at a higher definition than what I could get through Sky anyway.
2: It just didn't make sense. It didn't Um, make sense. The whole problem that was being addressed by Netflix was a broken content delivery system, which was, and for me, for adopting Netflix, it wasn't even so much about the pull of Netflix. It was about the push of all the other telly. Mm-hmm. and that push factor was adverts and just <laughs> anything that could get rid of adverts for me that just ruin any content that you're experiencing it just breaks it up into pieces you makes you want to throw your television out the window and isn't speaking to it and it can't be earning anybody any money because there's so much so little income actually Mm -hmm. generated by those adverts that they may as well not bother and you can charge me a paltry sum and still get more than you're getting from that advertiser for my time well yeah that's a better system so for years and i do mean years probably two decades by the time that um Netflix came along the model had always been the way to improve television is to offer more of it and more of it and more of it <laughs> just as much choice and option and saturation as you possibly can if someone's got 500 channels that's got to be the best option that's got to be better than somebody else that's only offering 400 channels but that logic doesn't make any sense
0: no it doesn't really and everything
2: just gets so watered down that you would literally spend your entire life Flicking up and down those channels and not actually watching anything at all. And that's where I think most people got to with Sky and, and mm. with all of those big packages. And to be able to turn my back on that, it feels liberating, if nothing else.
1: What you need cool. to remember with Sky and their 500 channels, at least 25 of those are Babe Station channels. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're just all the same once you've. <laughs> but, are, you, are you
2: putting but... that forward as a pro or a yeah. con? I'm not sure, Steve.
1: Well, I mean there's there'sn't much character development in them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so with like um Netflix Netflix now becoming quite dominant in the market, do you think it's a good thing that channels like particularly NBC for example in America are very defensive about their format and are very keen to distance themselves from streaming services. Do you think it's a good thing that Netflix is forcing these channels to change and then they will adapt and follow perhaps a similar method to Netflix? Or is it just like a, the end of TV as we know it and that's it, they're going to disappear? It
2: is, and that's a good thing.
1: It is, yeah. it is changing the way TV's done. So the, only, the only thing that you kind of have to go direct to TV for now is, is live stuff. Mm. So whether it's kind of... Or, or reality shows, which kind of are done live or near live. So it's kind of live sport, like we've mentioned, or something like X Factor or I'm a Celebrity when they are actual live shows going out. Um, but that's the thing, isn't it? It's like a domino effect. Yeah. Because I
0: know people who now don't have a TV license because they don't watch live TV. Mm. So the knock-on effect for not having a TV license, because you can watch iPlayer programs without having a TV license as long as you're not watching it live. For example, Netflix has got, I mean, I know it's still not quite as big as the um, catalogs that are available on other regions, for example, America and Canada and so on. But the the amount of content that's on Netflix in the UK is vast. Mm. There's a lot of it. So surely the knock on effect then is people not actually getting TV licenses, less people watching live TV. Do you think there's like a knock on effect that could happen with the BBC?
1: For example, who are always trying. I mean, they're, they're really battling to stay afloat most well, of the time. Well, aren't they doing something now similar, like an on-demand service, where they're putting back catalogues of their own shows mm. on yeah. online, or... and creating a BBC Three
0: Online Only channel? Yeah. yeah. Was it, like that.
3: I was going to say that must be a huge impact on them now that they've moved BBC Three to being completely online. I mean, how I've been really lost the last week for right, how the target's in the youth. Mm. I've been mm. really lost the last week
1: trying to find out where I can watch Family Guy repeats
3: <laughs> <laughs> ITB2 ITB2 yeah that's but, true um, no it's, I mean it's kind of a weird state of TV at the moment I mean I think it's weird in that the BBC seems to be knuckling down and I, I, I'm, I don't know what to think of the BBC 3 move online in that I can understand the logic of it and it works quite well in the oh I can always access it and all that sort of thing but I could do that before with the exactly yeah. So I I I don't really understand what it has really changed, um, mm. and I think it's kind of weird in that they've targeted the one BBC channel that really was aimed at you know eighteen to 34. A younger audience. Yeah, exactly. They've targeted without BBC, the CBBC. Well, yeah, <laughs> without CBBC, but you know they've kept like BBC Four. Now I don't mind BBC Four, but it is a it is an older demographic, really. Now it doesn't make much sense to move. Your younger population and, and cut off their channel for them, particularly when it had such a huge backlash. But does it make sense for it to be online because that's where people are going to be streaming and viewing it and all well, that sort of thing? I don't know. It, it could think be a really it. smart move or it could be a colossal fuck up. I don't know. I think that's exactly what they're thinking, really. It's
0: that the younger audience will probably go to uh, their computers, their phones, their tablets, whatever, to mm. watch it online.
2: And in um, the large part, already had. Yes, yeah,
0: true. That's true. Yeah. Whereas your BBC Four audience typically, perhaps, would be those who sit down in their, you know, living room, an older sort of couple, perhaps, and then watch whatever documentary is being shown about status quo that week. It's just <laughs> like... <laughs> but yeah, I am generalising slightly, but I think that is what the the demographics of those channels are, are pretty much are is, you know, a, like you've pointed out, Chris, you've got the, the younger audience, perhaps the... You know, as Phil says about being an early adapter of um, of Netflix, there are always going to be people... There are always going to be people who are opposed to change and stuff, but I think a large portion of their um, demographic will be people who will be quite excited about having this new online-only channel.
4: Yeah.
0: Because BBC Three, when it came out, was new and different because it wasn't BBC One or Two. It was b b c choice it was something completely new um and digital only, which was the the big change then, so yeah, I don't know I think with regards to um this shift, I personally agree with Phil and think it's a good thing. I think it can only mean other services either up their game and improve or the sort of dinosaurs go extinct, really.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and I think we're already seeing the evidence of it as well. Um, Now TV, which is obviously Sky's equivalent Mm -hmm. of Netflix, is better than anything else that Sky have ever done, in so much as for the first time they've edited down. And rather than just trying to publish as much as humanly possible, they're thinking, what are the choice cuts to put in here? What can we really get behind? And what can we make as a rounded offering? And it speaks very much towards me. Now, there is certainly a huge demographic out there who are much more interested in watching the Let Now show in the background and having the Strictly Come Dancing on at the weekend and will still be partial to live television. But I'm one of those people. I have now cancelled my TV license because
4: quite simply,
2: the BBC doesn't have any offering for me anymore. And I really resent the attitude that they have towards their programming of we will release this to you bits and pieces, as opposed to the Netflix of philosophy, whereby you subscribe to Netflix, you own everything we've ever made. Mm -hmm. So that's... Sorry,
1: go on, Steve. When you're talking about the BBC, I do find myself watching less and less BBC output. I mean i I watched The Apprentice, but I'm bored of it. i watch Dragon's Den, but I'm bored of it. So I watch Match of the Day. I actually think Match of the Day is quite a well-put-together
4: yes, fo-
1: uh, football highlight show. I actually prefer goals on Sunday, but I generally work on a Sunday and don't get the chance to see it. Um, but, I, but, you know, uh, some live sport on the BBC show. I find like that sports coverage is actually very good, um, mm-hmm. by and large. But other than that, what do they show? I don't watch EastEnders. I don't watch Casualty. Um... I don't, you know, I don't watch their daytime programs.
0: Um. Well, I think they're trying to um, create some more interesting shows now, in, at least in terms of dramas. I mean, they've got quite a big one that's just been—I don't know if it's a joint production with someone in America or not—but the the thing with Tom Hiddleston and Hugh oh, Laurie and manager. Olivia Coleman, yes, which did, I think it was aired um, yesterday Sunday.
4: Yeah, yeah,
0: um, and they've got a few others that they're trying to build up, and I think they are limited, of course, and we, I mean like I say, comparing them to America is unfair because they don't quite have the same audience level um, for their their main dramas and, you know, it's very expensive for them but stuff like Wolf Hall was hugely successful in terms of, cri- uh, critically at least because it won awards, it was quite renowned for, for what it was doing um, but yeah, I don't know, maybe that's, that's bullshit, because Netflix just don't care really, do they, about the I've, viewing figures? Because they, all they're after is subscription numbers. Mm. And as much, it's a bit like as,
1: HBO. As much as, as much as um, Netflix uh, is, well, Netflix is leading the charge, I suppose. But Netflix and all the others doing the same kind of thing, uh, are changing the way television is consumed. Um, I think it's going to be a long, long time before it really affects the the, the wholesale general public that you know people. Just, on mass, stop buying TV licences?
2: I'm not so sure. I think already mm. they've seen the drop-off in the TV licence subscription much higher than anybody was anticipating. And I can only see that continuing, to be honest.
0: There were a couple of things that I've been watching recently. I finally got round to finishing off uh narcos which I will I will talk about later I promise um but what I actually finished watching uh yesterday sunday the weekend was uh season 3 of orange is the new black it t- it has taken me a while to get around to it to watch it obviously because it was their th- sort of after house of cards it was their big show and became and still, still is i think their their most watched netflix original i don't think anything else has surpassed it um But, yeah, it's a prison drama. It's about um, Piper Chapman, who is uh, obviously a prisoner uh, in the system. And she tries to just live her life in prison. And she's quite an upper-class, well, upper-middle-class, well-to-do person who finds herself dumped into this situation. And it is a really good drama. A proper, like, not just... um, a, yeah, not just a really polished drama, because I don't think it is all the time, but each episode is just like you've got to focus on a different person and how that person within the prison is um, interacting with everyone else around them and the the sort of emotional impact that that this sort of life um, has on them. But also then the, the clever use of like flashbacks to tell you about each person in each episode. And gives you a bit more character that way. I think it's just a very well written. Very well structured series. I did struggle a little bit with season 3. And I think I know why. Uh, season, seasons 1 and 2 were technically classed as comedies. Now I think they were dramas. But when it came to awards like Golden Globes and Emmys. They classed Orange is the New Black as a comedy. 'cause it is very funny i can I can sort of understand why um it doesn't really have much in the way of deep, dark drama for what you might think of a, as a prison drama um not that it's completely devoid of that either but i it, i can kind of understand why it was a comedy in the for the third season they would so this was twenty fifteen that I think they must have caught on to the fact they were no longer going to be considered a, a comedy for awards time and would be therefore classed as drama. So season three really upped the ante on the social issues stakes. And I think in in trying much harder to tackle these social uh, and gender issues particularly, um, maybe it took a focus away slightly from... Some of the characters and I know how that sounds and I think they should be trying to deal with these issues and it's that's part of why this show exists and it is part of what makes it really good. But um, it just seemed like some of the characters were not quite as developed as they had been previously. Piper in particular just seemed to be a bit of a caricature of what she was through the first two seasons. Uh, but it's still a really good entertaining show uh, Chris, I know that you said that you um, Signed up to Netflix for it Have yes. you watched it all? Did you f- find uh, yourself enjoying it? Or,
3: it's or weird what, what was your reaction? I have basically watched it in fits and starts So mm-hmm. it was like I got into it as Series 1 And finished, I only really started Series 1 As Series 2 went on And then the same thing happened last year So I've basically watched all the first two series uh, and I, it's weird I'm trying to block out like a week where I have to <laughs> catch up on everything and I'm like okay yeah. I'll watch Orange is the New Black then because it's one of those shows where if I'm watching one I'm watching five in a row Mm-hmm. Um, but then I might not watch it for six months afterwards, so it's a weird headspace thing. I do really enjoy it. I do like how diverse it is and the stories we get to tell. Um, and I think it is funny how Piper, who is originally and she still technically is our kind of um, our protagonist, our surrogate into this mm-hmm. into Litchfield. How she is not the most interesting character there by far. There are way more interesting characters, and you know everyone's got their favorite. And because every even like the the bit players, the ones who have much smaller arcs and have much less screen time, they still get these brilliant stories and these arcs and all this sort of thing. So, um, if nothing else, I can commend it for it. But I think, um, like you said, the reaction. So Series 3 was a lot more mixed. I think it was um, possibly because the bar had been set quite high and expectations were quite high. Um, Because I remember in the build-up, everyone was freaking out over um, an actress called Ruby Rose, who was entering the show as a potential love interest for Piper, whose canon... In canon, she is uh, bisexual, so they're like, "Oh, she's gonna, she's gonna sleep with her, and it's gonna be awesome, and that sort of thing." Um, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know what's happened. I haven't watched any of series three. <laughs> I know that there's something involving a lake, and that that's all I know about, <laughs> about, about, about series three. So yeah, I'm looking forward to to getting into it, and I do enjoy it, but it's not it's not one of the shows that I've. Thought so I'm gonna rewatch a particular episode, or I'm gonna rewatch this. I think it's one of those that when it finally finishes in a few years' time, I'll probably rewatch the whole thing and see where these characters have gone, um, because it is really, really well done. And it's it's quite it's interesting as well that your
0: point there about it being quite diverse because mm. it it is, and not just in terms of like, um, ethnic diversity, which. Again, I guess you'd expect in a prison drama, anyway. But yeah. just like the, the, they're not all these pretty, gorgeous, typically gorgeous-looking women. You know. Yeah. It it has a mix of sort of body shapes is the word I I saw to describe them. Yeah. Earlier today. <laughs> yeah. And it's it you, you yeah it's not just slim, pretty, big boobed women. It's people just normal looking people yeah and that's one of one of of its positives i think
3: yeah absolutely and it's something that you can really kind of see reflected in elements of how netflix does it so there are shows out there that netflix have done that are more diverse than if it were if it was like a cbs or an nbc Mm. or abc drama and like you said it does have a diverse range of like body types it has a, a really good way of looking at sexuality and particularly Particularly, um, I think it's one of the first sh- shows that's had such a huge mainstream appeal that's had a prominent transgender character in it. I mean, Laver- yes. Laverne Cox yeah. is now literally a household name because mm-hmm. of what she is uh, and what her role is in *Orange Is the New Black*. Now, would that have really translated well within like a stereotypical, you know, like a like you said, ABC or NBC or whatever? I honestly don't think it would.
4: Um, I agree, yeah. and it
3: is. It is a fantastic thing that Netflix can kind of build their own sandbox to play in. They don't have to go, right, well, we can't show that, we can't show that, we can't say that, we've got to you know, get rid of at least three of the black characters because they will translate well. It's really good because it gives creators like Jenji Cohen, who created Orange is mm-hmm. the New Black, it gives them a chance to actually say, right, I really want to do it this way. And Netflix are going, yeah. Yeah, we'll give it a try because more and more people are signing up, and the the secret behind TV is that if you make cast more diverse and more inclusive, more people will watch. It's fine <laughs> if you if you have an all if you have an all white cast, people are now switched on enough to to go. Well, that's bullshit. It is mm, bullshit. Mm. Um, so yeah, I hugely adore the fact that they, like you said they, they they look like real people they look like people who are actually surviving in prison, they're not all these kind of supermodel perfect hair and they're just like oh no I don't know how I got into prison, I was a prostitute so they, you're like no, they yeah. clearly they look normal, they've clearly done some fucked up shit to end up in prison and that's the building block or the jumping point for their stories and I love that well said thank you <laughs>
1: Okay, um, Chris, uh, what have you been watching in terms of uh, Netflix originals?
3: Well, um, in terms of Netflix originals, what I have been watching recently, and this is because I'm really trying to learn how to be a better chef, I (laughs) I, I, I can't really cook. I'm an okay baker, but I can't actually cook well. So there's a show on there called Chef's Table, which I've seen half an episode of, and which I was like, eh, it's okay. It's more like a retrospective of famous chefs and how they became Famous. So I was like, "Oh, that's okay." But there's a new show called Cooked, which um, I've basically watched two thirds of the first episode. There's only four episodes in this first series, um, but it is amazing. It's genuinely really interesting, and it's weird in that um, I never thought I had like a real scientific interest in how food is made or how it's how it works. But the way that the lead guy does it, and his name's Michael Pollan, and he's apparently he's a acclaimed food writer. I say it apparently, I've never heard of him, but he, he he's, he's good. Um, and each episode is based around one of the four classical elements. So you've got Fire and how, you know, and he, go, he goes around the planet with this kind of stuff, and it's incredible. And it's a really fascinating way to look at how... Uh, food you know unites us as, as species but also how it affects each of our different cultures and that sort of thing um, it seems, the, 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 the um documentaries that they make yeah
0: they're very popular aren't they I mean, is this sort of a slight venture away from documentary and more towards kind of a reality style show do you think um
3: i don't know i mean it's It's summer, and it's a weird comparison, but this is definitely something I could see going on like BBC Four. This is—it's very, you know, it's not like you know when we think of documentaries and Netflix originals, you know, recently it's going to be making a murderer, which has become a massive, massive Mm -hmm. hit, Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm sure someone else will mention it at some point. But uh, no, it's more like uh, it is just like a series of four one-hour documentaries all around this one. Thing I don't really know if I'd call it a reality show, but it's it, it's a really interesting insight into how, um, well, it's into how food works basically. And I'm not super super sciencey, but I was absolutely fascinated with this because it's all it's shot gorgeously, um, it's very engaging as a series. If you've got any interest in thinking, oh okay, I, you know, like me, I like I said, I'm not a brilliant cook, but this is kind of piqued my interest a bit to kind of go oh okay so if that works like this then how would this work and how would it's a really great jumping off point and a sparking point for people to look into stuff themselves like um making a murder in the Mm -hmm. people have gone oh okay so what would happen if this happened or what about this and you've basically generated this whole kind of generation of armchair detectives now with complete access to the internet and everything that that involves just like in um the podcast serial and the whole Adnan Syed case that yes. everyone went viral about. It was, I think it was like November 2014 because I remember listening to that and just hearing, holy shit, people are just going nuts over this. So, I mean, that's one thing I really enjoy about the Netflix documentary in that they, they give you plenty of information and everything, but then they kind of, it gives you the option to investigate things on your own, and to look into stuff on your own, and think, "Oh, okay, if that's how they cook it here, what would happen if I tried this?" It gives you kind of a license to be creative, and I, I am looking forward to kind of watching the rest of the series and see what, um, what happens. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah, it's... another one to add to my long list.
4: or My yeah,
0: <laughs> stuff that I've not yet got around
4: to. Yeah. Um,
1: well, I'm going to talk about uh, the aforementioned. Um, making a murderer uh, the, the big runaway hit of the last well post christmas uh hit on Netflix, I suppose it is um, it's documentary i didn 't even i don't think I realized it was a documentary when I first like put it on. I just heard all my friends say you 've got to watch this you've got to watch this it 's about a, a yeah. investigation into a, a, a murder and i just didn't didn 't read a description because so many people kind of give me an idea what it was about i didn 't even think it was a documentary just put it on. And the first episode it kind of plods along a bit and you're a bit oh, what are they going on about like why are they why is this being hyped up so much until about the last 10 minutes of the first episode and you just sort of <laughs> jaw yep. drops and it's like ah right i get it no yeah i'm, I'm into this and then <laughs> then you watch all 10 in the space of about 3 days and are left questioning everything that happened in the case and in your very existence at times <laughs> Because I, won't give it, I, don't, I don't even know how much I can say and give my opinion on the no. programme because some people haven't seen it.
3: Um, I was going to say, I'm only, I'm only half an episode in because people yeah. have said to me, you need to watch it, you need to watch it. And I'm just finding it heavy going at the moment. But the fact you've said 10 minutes from the end, I'm going to be hooked. And so I'm like, OK, I really want to watch yeah. this now.
0: You need to... It has a very big reveal towards the end of the first episode, which sort of changes how you have seen what's happened previously. And then that makes you realise how they've
1: gotten like 10 episodes out of this story. Yeah. Because there's more, uh, a a lot more. You need to get get over the hump of the the first episode. Yeah. But even sort of during the third and the fourth one, I kept sort of thinking to myself, how are they going to, how they pad this out to 10 if they're all the same length?
4: Mm.
1: But they do. They do it really well and it's a really interesting documentary series. I suppose the only only real comparison you can draw to it is the serial podcast in terms of something yeah. similar in, in tone or, or style or whatever. Um there's not many or any, any other kind of shows I can think of that have done a similar thing.
0: Certainly not ones that have been quite successful as successful no. as those two. In no. terms of like their respective um mediums, if you like. What serial did for podcasts was it Brought them to the mainstream, essentially. Yeah. They, they've been around for ages, podcasts, of course. Um, but actually, when Serial came around and had like 40 million downloads and people were going, shit, 40 million people have listened to this. What the hell is it? Yeah. What is a podcast? And that that did that. I think making a merge for us similarly um, was word of mouth that made that so successful speaking of mouth you're doing very well to keep yours closed at this point phil because
2: <laughs> you know that i'm not a fan of making a murderer i do yeah <laughs> it's not even that i'm not because it is a fantastically well-made documentary it is polished and that they did manage to get 10 episodes out of it well done and <laughs> within <laughs> it was a very backhanded are you,
1: are you just being a hipster and not liking it because everyone else does
2: No, because Ah. I really wanted to like it. Um, I found that it was very one sided in its storytelling, which you, you have to be to a certain extent when you're making a documentary. But I felt as though it took it too far. I think the really interesting thing about Making a Murderer in the context of the conversation that we're having is that it really proved one of the big criticisms that's thrown against Netflix and streaming services compared to traditional TV. And that's this notion that there's no shared experience associated with it, that you don't get those kind of what they call water cooler moments, even though that has no real social resonance in in the UK, um, that (laughs) people don't all experience the same thing at the same time therefore it's not going to create phenomena in the same way as everybody going into work the day after wondering who shot JR but it's obviously proved that that isn't the case and that you can have um, phenomenological events within streaming services and from that point of view that's really interesting more interesting than the documentary itself in my opinion <laughs> No, but
0: it, that's a, That is a good point though, um, it was a phenomenon I think we're not like exaggerating to describe it as a but like the period between when it was seventeenth of December I think it came out and it was
1: very slow to get moving. It's diff- which is, at Christmas time, I mean, it's difficult for anyone to really be to binge watch stuff, yeah. And absorb But then the that just shows out. how like Yeah
0: how how um how much of a phenomenon it was because by the time it came to like mid January, I you know, Twitter was just awash with people discussing it. Yeah. There were, there were rumours, there were People like trying to dig up new clues online, and people posting all these different fan theories about what was going on. Um, it really did become just this. Like for about a month, the, the the only thing people would talk about when when you mentioned Netflix, it was "Have you seen Making a Murderer?"
1: Yeah. Uh, and so, Phil, what have have you seen or been watching on, on Netflix?
2: Okay, so I have to confess that I'm only on this podcast with a very specific agenda, (laughs) and that is to gush embarrassingly about how in love with love I am. And (laughs) given that this particular series hadn't even been released, and I think I'd only just heard of it this time last week, for it to have gone from being something that I wasn't even aware of to now being... Pretty much my favourite thing that's ever happened in my life. Is, <laughs> wow. Is quite is that, an amazing accomplishment. Do you
1: like it better than WikiShuffle?
2: Oh. You don't have to answer that. <laughs> it's a different type of affection. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: sometimes I don't know how you can show any affection to the mother too.
2: That's a good point. <laughs> through gritted teeth normally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so love, which... The worst thing about love is its title, yeah. Uh, which is it's it's really poor. It doesn't work, and the search engine optimization there. Somebody must have took them to one side and said that's not helping your identity at all. But put that to one side, and everything about this series is perfection. At least my little version of what perfection looks and sounds like. It's basically a ten-part romantic comedy.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Which, that doesn't make it sound great, does it? Um, <laughs> but it's so drenched in love for its broken characters that there's you can't not get swept up in it to the point where I watched all 10 episodes within within 36 hours this weekend. And I don't regret it one bit, except I don't get to see any new ones now for a, a year <laughs> um, and that's a great thing about Netflix that we've not mentioned nobody did this before, this has never occurred to anybody, is that if you're making a series, what you should do is acknowledge that you're making it for an audience and then give that product to the audience just in one go, don't, don't eke it out like they've got to come back with their begging bowl every week for another episode <laughs> give them, let them do what they want with that, that's a fantastic thing and they, Netflix should really be praised for that. But I think that's uh, it. It is a it's a great
0: idea, and it's it was revolutionary when uh, House of Cards came out, and it was just like, yeah, watch it at your leisure. Um, it but it would have been very difficult to do in the traditional TV format. It would. If if BBC said, right, it's this evening and we're going to start at eight pm, and we'll finish at eight am, and we're going to just show ten episodes of this new show. No one's going to watch it.
2: No, that's true. But uh, that's another reason why this format and this medium for consuming TV is better. It just is Mm -hmm. better. And Mm -hmm. it, it feels as though it's respecting me as a viewer more and giving me that choice and that power over what I watch and how I watch it, not taking that away from me, which the BBC still does with the iPlayer. It still very much restricts what's available and when you can watch it and how you can watch it. And that's just annoying. It's, it gets in the way of what you're trying to experience when what you're watching is being broken up by adverts literally every 10 minutes in some cases when those adverts break as they do routinely with the channel 4 download service i hate
0: f- channel 4's on demand service whatever the hell they're it calling is... it this week yeah
2: for on demand maybe i
0: don't know I don't but know. They've,
2: they've changed it again they're calling oh it... great access four or something i don't know It is awful. It's terrible. terrible. All I come away from it thinking is you've probably earned half a penny from that advertiser for showing me that that advert. Instead, (laughs) let me press a button that makes me give a microtransaction. Charge me a sensible amount of money. Not the ridiculous model that iTunes uses where it charges you £5 an episode, which is just preposterous or Mm however much it is. But charge me 50p for an episode of Peep Show and you will have that 50p. And that is going to be at least 100 times more than you've earned through these adverts that are broken and stopped me from watching it halfway through. Yeah, I think you're right. I think for, even if it's a penny, for every one person who's paid 50p,
0: there's probably, you know, half that many who would go, mm, no, I'm not paying it. I don't like it that much. And they'd still be all- So they're, they're still making twice as much money on it. Yeah. So it just doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah.
2: it's um, it, Anyway, I just said I wasn't going to talk about anything other than love. <laughs> and look yes. what's happened. So Love is a romantic comedy with Gillian Jacobs from Off About Of Community, which is probably the best sitcom of the last 10 years. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick to that. I've, yeah, Okay. Um, And Paul Rust, uh, who's also the um, creator, and along with Judd Apatow, who did things like The 40-Year-Old Virgin and Knocked Up and things like that, sort of quite cerebral rom-coms with um, uh, a hipster edge, if you like, Steve, since you're going to throw that (laughs)
4: that
2: accusation at me.
0: (laughs) He usually makes very long rom-coms though, right? Yeah. Mm. Much longer than they need to be.
2: No, 10 episodes, um, and I want more. Um, So it's basically a story of two people in their early 30s in Los Angeles bumping into each other and then slowly starting a relationship. And plot-wise, that's about as much as you get, and it's about as much as you need, because what you're doing the entire time is learning about these people, and they feel so real and... They're so uncomfortable in their own skins and around each other that it just it feels like an actual relationship happening in a way that I can't remember ever seeing on screen before. I literally cannot remember seeing as realistic a portrayal of nervous, excited people as I did watching love. Has anybody else seen it? Am I the only person that's seen it so far? Uh, I watched the I'm not first couple. Them. I watched the first two or three episodes yesterday. Yeah. Um, I did
0: like it. My immediate impression after the two episodes, and I know exactly what your answer is going to be to this, I was like, this is like... It's like watching Manhattan or Annie Hall, but without the New York. Oh, God. That's how I felt about it.
2: Yeah, no, it's nothing like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's the same kind of awkward romance. You've got the nerdy kind of character who's actually very... Um, sarcastic and yeah I don't know I felt exactly like watching Annie Hall or Manhattan but like I say without in the New York it was devoid of that that extra angle extra dimension for me because it doesn't have any character of the place
2: Oh no I disagree I think it's got a very real character of LA in a way that you don't normally get to see Uh, they normally pretend that Los Angeles is either super glitzy or a Criminal cesspit and never anywhere in between, and yet this pitches it in a much more realistic kind of. These are people just getting on with their lives that just happen to be living in LA, and I thought that yeah, it very much did feature the city. Okay, maybe that
0: comes out a bit more then as um, the series progresses. but Possibly yes.
4: Mm. Yeah,
0: I, but, but I do like it. I do like it. I am enjoying it, and I'm definitely going to go back and finish off the series. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the best thing that's ever happened to me.
2: <laughs> I could probably name a few other things that. But... <laughs> yeah, that will probably temper over time. I get excited, <laughs> I get carried away. But uh, it, again,
0: though, it's just another example, isn't it, of Netflix trying something slightly different?
2: That's it. You do genuinely question would anybody else have been brave enough to make to commission a full series because that's that's the other strange thing about American TV series is when they're commissioned, they only commission a handful of episodes and they're literally fighting for their life in those first few episodes.
4: Yeah.
2: And that's no way to think about the longer game of how you're going to develop this and to turn this into something that people are going to love and want to come back to and return to because it, it becomes about spectacle and just getting that big action mm-hmm. shot that big celebrity in early and rather than concentrating on the more important things which is the character development and making sure you're telling a story that is worth telling
0: well it's it's interesting isn't it because t- traditionally with with tv shows they would have been made almost as if they're a product and they're going to sell you Sort of advertising space you're going to keep watching this show and in between we're going to put these adverts in yeah in a sort of tacky american fox network sort of way yep. um whereas netflix doesn't it doesn't have advertise it doesn't have sponsors i mean it probably has advertisements within the programs and stuff and they, they get a bit funded from it i'm not gonna be that naive but they don't have they don't typically have sponsors for their shows they don't actually have like a watershed or prime time slots um there's no no barriers for them to sort of say when this show is going out. They just look at who's watching their content, where they're from, what kind of other content that um Netflix that they're looking at and they go, Right, looks like this kind of show would be quite successful, let's do it. Yeah. And that's it. That's all that goes into it. And then, you know, obviously the creative side of it comes in, but it's like it is just the most direct form of marketing
2: but with this extra added creativity. Yeah, And then once they've made that decision They have the courage to stick with it And that's really important If you look through the list of every single original program That Netflix have brought out so far Every single one of those has been recommissioned, with the exception of Wet Hot American Summer, which was designed to only be a one-season thing anyway, and that's a very different entity from the rest. But every single one, even Hemlock Grove, which by anybody's estimation is probably the weakest thing that they've done, (laughs) and that was known quite early on, they Mm -hmm. still saw that through three whole seasons, let it have a proper conclusion, and didn't leave anybody hanging. And that's just, again, it's a respect for your audience. It's not pissing on those chips and saying, right, no, we're going where the money is now. We're seeing this through. We're doing what we said that we would do, which is deliver this program for you. And how can you not respect that? Absolutely. No, it's fair.
0: Thanks for listening to the first part of our Netflix Originals special edition podcasts. Um, thanks to Chris Haig and Phil Sharman, who were our guests this this episode. You can listen to them and us again in part two, where we will have our Netflix original special triple bill. So we'll pick uh, a comedy, a drama and a feature that's on Netflix that is a Netflix original. That we recommend that you try out as well as the kind of things that we just really enjoyed. Um, So tune in again for, for part two to hear, well, that. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond with original music provided by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of jamesyule.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com, on Twitter at failedcritics, and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash failedcritics. Thanks for listening.
1: Okay. Uh, before we do triple buzz you want to take this opportunity have a quick break uh,
0: I might just nip off for just a second if that's okay yeah okay we'll yeah. be back in two seconds
2: yeah I might take two minutes we'll be back in a minute it uh, so then I'll
3: take two right right <laughs> not the really you want. a nice
4: scream, man. Oh. I've
0: got some Hello. What the? That's all real, like, i a piss. It's Chris being attacked by the alien, the Xenobuff. What was that?
1: I don't know what's happening. Loud noises. You've still not moved
3: that frigging bottle at bike fall. No, oh,
4: but it's empty now. Yeah, but it's still sat there.
3: Have yeah. got some changes. For what? A tenner. I've got two fibres. Might work.
4: What is happening? <laughs> it's like being like... It's like, like it's a Right, chris
0: yeah sorry just bathroom break <laughs> <laughs> it was i think you like have you got like a lapel mic or something because that uh, i think we heard everything
3: uh no i <laughs> i i will say to be fair um i literally left my headphones just stuck into the machine and because my room's right next to the bathroom <laughs> oh god <I'm> sorry <laughs> please edit that
0: that's <laughs> right i am just <laughs> Just giving someone two fivers in the bathroom? I'm not saying anything. It's oh, uh, no, no, your no, business.
3: No. <laughs> it
1: was
4: very you know, northern was for a minute brother. there.
3: That was my brother who was asking, because um, he works as a mechanic, and apparently they've got a guy who comes around literally selling them sweets. So he said, <laughs> have you got any change? I went, yeah, if if he's got a tenner, I'll give him two fivers. That was it. And I'm there just like, really? You, you can buy chocolate anywhere. He's like, yeah, but it's the sweet van. <laughs> That's
0: hilarious It is always better from a sweet van
3: Yeah, which I didn't know like so existed school, It's like in school with a tuck shop I mean that was always basically, better It's basically a mechanics tuck shop on wheels Yeah, yeah Fair enough Hello Great. Hello
0: Phil, you missed all the excitement
2: <laughs> Oh what happened? Oh, Chris gave some
0: it. guy at two fivers in a bathroom Oh <laughs> <laughs> Did you get your
2: money's worth?
3: No but he did